welcome to the Bedroom Studios podcast, the podcast where we talk about what goes on behind the scenes in a musician's world and bridge the industry gap by bringing their stories, expertise, and advice to early career artists. Subscribe to join us for a fun chat about life as a creative person, tips and tricks for pursuing an artistic career, navigating the music industry, and more. I am your host, Emma, and today I will be interviewing Mimika. Orchestral pop artist Mimika just wrapped up her first successful North American tour, including sold-out shows in Toronto and stops in NYC, Boston, Nashville, and LA. Her live performances seamlessly blend pop and classical, featuring enchanting string ensembles. The Berklee College of Music alum's latest project, Love and What I Thought It Was, has already garnered 150,000 streams since its summer release, with the single Sunday Afternoon making waves on UK radio in October. Releasing music since 2020 through Sugar Me Records, Mimika has not only captivated audiences as a performer, but has also earned acclaim as a songwriter with a catalog surpassing 2 million streams. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm so so excited to be here. Oh my goodness, thank you for having me. So I am such a big fan and I will listen to your music on repeat just like randomly, not not because I'm having you on the podcast, <laughs> like I will just listen to it, oh and um, I absolutely love it, so this is very exciting for me. Thank you so, so, so much. I'm so glad you love it. I'm so glad that like people other than just me and my producer and my co-writers love it, because we were like, you know what? It's either going to work or it's not going to work, <laughs> and I'm really glad it's working. Yeah, it is definitely working. <laughs> yeah, so we met... Um, over a year ago Mm -hmm. at the auditions for the Honey Jam Artist Development Program. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm glad that we finally get to chat a bit more. Me too. That was so fun because I was there actually with a friend that I had never met in person either. Like we had just been friends over the internet and stuff and she was coming into town and doing the auditions and she was like, you should come and do them. And I was like, okay, great. And when I was there, I got to meet you and so many other really amazing young women and female identifying people in the industry and it was so nice. Mm -hmm. I feel like even if I don't end up applying again, I still definitely want to come to the auditions just to meet people and to see Mm -hmm. people perform because that that in and of itself was just so much fun. I agree. It was so nice to see see, like everything that Toronto has to offer because I feel like I have like my circle that I kind of stay within and people that you're, you know, catching up with and checking in on. And unless you're really like going out looking for new artists, I feel like it's hard to find them and make those connections. So it's really nice when you have, especially like post COVID times to Mm. have that opportunity to go and be together and celebrate music together. It's so nice. Yeah. And it's like, it's different being in a room full of female identifying artists like I Mm -hmm. I don't know I I don't feel like I've experienced a lot of like sexism and discrimination thankfully as a female artist but it does it's it's like a different community when you're with all these people that you could identify with and it's it's just a different vibe and it's very it's it's really nice it's very wholesome no 100% even like Uh, in so many aspects of the industry I mean it's definitely a a male dominated Mm -hmm. game which is so insane because I feel like the biggest artists in the world right now are all women um and I 
personally and as well as like obviously a lot of other women are trying to do it as well trying to bring more women onto teams Mm -hmm. in background positions maybe you're not the part of the band or maybe you're not on stage but you know working with female writers and producers and mix and mastering engineers and all that kind of stuff you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's nice it's nice to have everyone in the room yes exactly and it's a totally different energy too not to say that like some of my favorite collaborators that I love and adore and work with our men but being able to write with women and work with women it's just such a different experience it's like you walk into the room and you're like oh we've got each other I was in New York actually a couple months ago while I was on tour and I went to um a BMI event that was all like women in music and I was sitting at the table with like 20 other women and it was you know writers and artists and people who work with on labels and publishers and all that kind of stuff and I was like this is so fun everyone is dressed so cute everyone is so smart and so driven and hardworking. And there was no, like, I hate this narrative of, like, catty women and women who are, like, jealous and Mm. don't want to support each other. I've never had that experience. I don't know how that narrative keeps, like, surviving in this day and age. Everyone was so kind and so nice and welcome and opening. Uh, And it just, it was the best. It's, like, the same vibe. Wait. Okay, this doesn't... This isn't going to make sense to anyone other than me, but it's, like, the same vibe <laughs> as being in, like, a bridal shower and going mm. to... Going to that. Because <laughs> I remember going to a lot of those when I was a bit younger and just feeling this, like, sisterhood. Yes. And it totally. was just great. It's the sisterhood. Yeah. <laughs> we we got to keep it strong, you know? Oh, yeah. So... I'm very excited about this episode because I'm trying to, you know, trying to make a couple of small changes to the format of the Mm -hmm. podcast, and so we're going to listen to one of your songs first, and then we can talk about it. Hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so would you like to introduce the song before we listen to it? Totally. So this song is called Sunday Afternoon. It's the first song that I wrote for the whole entire project. It's the song that started this journey through the classical orchestral sound for me. And I love it so dearly. And I'm super excited that we're going to listen to it. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Twenty-four hours, we talked through the flowers Covered the bases, covered the room Emotionally charged while we stared through the stars Thinking of me while I'm thinking of you Typically sunrises, harsh and lighting Pretty surprising, but I kinda knew Yeah, I kinda knew So naturally, our chemistry I had nothing questioning Pretty sure on everything Something about the mornings always got me pouring My heart out I don't like the tension but you don't even mention And we just watch movies on a Sunday
Thank you. I love that song. I also love that song. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear more about your inspiration for it and the story behind it. Um, oh my gosh, yes. I know. And so when I'm listening to it, it makes me feel like that kind of buzz that of like having chemistry with someone and there being like feelings and anticipation on what could happen but then at the same time it's like you're you're just watching movies you're just sitting and you're Mm -hmm. chilling and so there's like it's a very chill situation but there's all this emotion bubbling under the surface that you're sort of just like hiding inside oh my god yes that's exactly what it is I wanted it to capture that like giddy feeling Mm -hmm. of like you're with somebody new and they're like oh my god what's going on like do they like me as much as I like them and the whole project is is about that like kind of first time falling in love and and all the like pure and wholesome and cute little experiences that Mm -hmm. it brings you know and the different lenses for that and the different um like paths that you take to get there and what it's like once you are there and this song specifically like when I wrote it we were like you know what I'm all about a story right my whole thing is is stories and this song I was like can't over complicate this this needs to just be one moment in time there's nothing huge going on it is just you know you've had a really great time with somebody now you're watching movies on the Sunday and you're like you know just lean into that vibe and let it be what it is it's funny that you say that because um like you're so right it's very like simple but at the same time the phrase movies on a Sunday afternoon it 
paints such a like a deep story and any everyone can relate to that not only that situation but just that feeling of just sitting on the weekend chilling mm-hmm. and watching movies and so you say it so simply but it said like just that one phrase says so much thank you yeah honestly so when we wrote it my producer Elias and I um we had actually been working on another track that never came out and actually I think back on it now and I'm like oh my god what was that song but we were in the middle of that we had probably been at it for like over four hours and then in the middle of the session Elias pulled up this like Mellotron and just started the do 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 that you hear in Sunday afternoon and I was like wait what is that that is so sick can you loop it and then I got on the mic and I literally just did a ton of like vocal production stuff which is everything that you hear in that intro um the uh the that whole thing and we just sat there probably for 20 minutes and just listened to it on a loop and I was like oh my god it sounds like watching movies like on a Sunday afternoon and he was like write that down that's the (laughs) song and we in the middle of doing that other song wrote this entire thing in probably 30 minutes max and it's perfect and I love it and so like literally that phrase is what stemmed the whole entire song we're like wow this sounds like this very specific instance and then wrote the whole song around it was it more based on just the idea of like it'd be cool to write a song about this or are there aspects of it that you kind of drew from your own life um honestly a little bit of both I that's kind of my thing is I like I said I love telling a narrative I love being really honest and truthful in songs but I don't think that they have to be diaristic to my own life I don't think I'm interesting enough for that if I'm being totally honest (laughs) so it's like it comes from little nuggets of my personal life or the stories that I hear and then I just massively expand and go wild with all of the ideas and the kind of details that surround it so once we had that phrase of like oh this is you know Sunday afternoon whatever I was like okay well what what would that look like like what is like how you know there's so many different types of Sunday afternoons you know there's like lazy ones there's ones where you go out and do cute stuff and just like playing with that idea and then landing on with this music being the oh you know the movies on a Sunday afternoon and kind of um expanding the narrative from there cool yeah I do the same thing where like usually my songs start from um something that happened to me or my own experience but then a lot of times when I'm midway through I'll be like you know like this this one line in this situation didn't actually happen but it would be so cool (laughs) for the story if it did so I'm gonna add it in totally and honestly I think it's really fun to do it either way I've worked with artists before where we'll write and I'll be like oh and then we should say this and and they're like that didn't actually happen though and I'm like okay (laughs) So what actually did happen and like, let's let's go from there. And you're like pulling details and it's so fun because you're literally like immortalizing this real true story in a song. And it's so fun to like mm-hmm. put all the pieces together. But then being able to also just kind of like pluck things out of your imagination. And maybe you want your story to have a different ending. Maybe you want it to be 
a lot simpler than it actually was. Maybe you want it to be much more adventurous and dramatic than it actually was. Um, and I feel like every story has the opportunity for infinite endings. I don't know where I've heard that. I've heard that somewhere. Somewhere. Mm, that. Is it Sondheim? I think it's Into the Woods. It might be Into the Woods. Every story has the opportunity for infinite endings. I don't know where else I've heard that. But it's definitely not my, that didn't come <laughs> out of my brain. I'll tell you right now. But I do love that that saying. I feel like songs just have, songwriting has such an ability to reveal a lot about what's going on in my subconscious. And so having that freedom to like not limit the story to just what mm-hmm. actually happened is it's kind of when you look at it back in hindsight you can kind of it it just reveals so much about like where my state of mind was at the time and how I actually interpreted a situation absolutely I have to ask do you find that like when you're in the middle of a situation or you're in the middle of something that you can write about it on the spot like you can write about it as you're going through it I think sometimes lines and ideas will come to me but it depends on the situation usually I'll have to wait a little bit afterwards but not not months afterwards like Mm -hmm. maybe a couple of weeks so that it's like everything's still fresh but it's not like I'm not in the middle of it yeah totally how about you I'm very similar I can't I find that I I cannot write about something as it's happening to me. I just am not that in touch with my emotions to be able to like currently be dealing something with something and also processing how I feel about it and how I'm going to feel about it in like six months or whatever. Mm-hmm. I find that like I'll sit down and write a song and I'll be like, oh, so that's how I really feel about that thing that happened four months ago, you know, yeah. or I have to kind of wait for the like the rawness to kind of fade away Mm -hmm. because I also find that when I try to write in the heat of the moment, I I just don't like my writing. I feel like it's sloppy. I feel like it's, it's cathartic for sure, but it's not like fundamentally good writing in for myself. There's so many like artists and writers I know who in the heat of the moment, they can write the most poetic, beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. And I'm just not one of those people. So it comes to me, I need time and like mm. for the dust to settle and then go back and look at it. That's that's usually how my process goes. Yeah, I find when I try to write um, as it's as the situation's unfolding, I end up making the song about too many things and mm-hmm. too many emotions. I think like a lot of times it's like you're going through something and it's not like a black and white feeling. Like mm-hmm. it could be you could be going through like a sad time, but sadness isn't the only emotion you feel Mm -hmm. there's like you know there's guilt or there's you know like great gratefulness sometimes or like just like a lot of things that are contrasting Mm -hmm. and so when I try to write in the moment I end up trying to include all of the emotions I'm feeling as opposed to focusing on just one one thread in the story totally agreed I tend to make sense (laughs) no I fully agree I tend to like end up writing these kind of blanket songs rather than being able to pick out the nuance and just write you know more specific because yeah if the story's too big it loses that it loses the emotion it loses the poetry yeah in my opinion anyway yeah well I guess 
The good thing is that you can get a lot of songs out of one situation just by coming oh, at yes. it from different angles. <laughs> Constantly. There you can yeah. rework anything. I am a huge fan of um I call them prototype songs. And I'll so I'll write a song. Like for example, um there is a song on this project called Nothing Ever Happens. <gasps> And (laughs) thank you. I love it too. But that song came from three other iterations of that same story and like that same moment that I had written previously and they just weren't right. They didn't come at it from the right angle. They didn't have the right like substance to it. And then this time when I wrote Nothing Ever Happens, I feel like I finally got it right. And it literally has like little recycled lines from all of the previous versions of it you know what i mean so it's it's all about like what lens are you looking at it from today and is it finally the right fit yeah my absolute favorite line from that song i think it's one of my favorite lyrics just like in general like in in music but it's the nothing ever happens on a thursday that's what i tell myself to justify the means to stay and it's like oh it's so good (laughs) thank you I like again that's one that song is probably one of my favorite songs I've ever written because it's so like valid to my life from that time period and I feel like I was finally able to like take a step back and do it justice and and Mm. write it properly but yeah the nothing ever happens on a Thursday is like literally was what I would just tell myself I'm like oh it's a Thursday you know nothing it's it's because it's a Thursday if it was a Friday things would be different if it was a Saturday things would be different it's because it's a Thursday and it's like that's such a silly sentiment of just like blaming the day of the week rather than whatever is actually the root of the problem Mm -hmm. but it makes you feel better in the moment yeah I have I have so many songs of where like I wrote the song as a way to justify a situation to myself (laughs) yeah like we could tell ourselves so many things and have it feel so real Mm -hmm. um it's yeah i just yeah things we can convince (laughs) ourselves of we're like our brains we're so powerful yeah even i think about it a lot in like in terms of like confidence and how we see ourselves and our self-worth because like when we're not when we are not in a good place we can really justify to ourselves like why we are trash and why we are Mm -hmm. awful and it's obviously not true but like the excuses our brain can make up and have it feel so real is insane but then we could also flip it and have it be like us telling ourselves good things about ourselves and no it's so insane like the polarizing like fields of how you can feel about yourself and also how it kind of impacts everything like personally back when I put out like the my feelings hurt kind of um mixtapes and that kind of stuff I was like oh I'm in my hot girl era like this is how I feel and my music reflects that and like I didn't at the time that wasn't what I was thinking now that I look back at it I'm like okay like I felt like such a baddie like I felt so cute and so hot whatever then I got to this project and I was like I don't think I feel like that anymore like I feel more like pretty and cute and you know like 
my vibe has changed and the music has changed to justify that and like as I'm getting mm. into my next project now again like both of those things I didn't realize them at the time but now that I'm going into my like fourth real project I'm like oh I see the transition and like this like I look back at my past selves like they were just different characters I'm like oh she was so cute and clueless and had no idea <laughs> what was going on and now I have a little bit more of a clue but still not that much and you can kind of now that I'm realizing it, I'm like, okay, I can be in charge of the narrative. And that also means that I can be in charge of like how I feel about myself and like I can control my confidence levels and how I present that to the world, not only through music, but in my day-to-day life. And if I, you know, like the the transition from kind of being like late teens, early 20s to like 22 23 24 like that kind of transition it just happened naturally and it naturally was reflected in the music but now that I'm more self-aware of it I'm like okay I'm driving the car now I'm in charge of where we're going and I can choose like how I want to evolve next and you know keep my confidence wherever I want it to be and how I want to be perceived and stuff like that that's really cool so when you're coming up with um a big project like your album or your EP, how do you design the sound of everything so that it fits into kind of one cohesive project? Mm -hmm. So I always am thinking big picture when it comes to what do the songs sound like? What are the themes lyrically? What is my vocal quality? And then how does that translate into different storytelling mediums? So number one, the most important thing in the entire world is Pinterest and having a good Pinterest board um, that it just helps me so much like ground what I'm doing and like bring it all together because I'm I'm really good at hearing things and it helps me to be able to see them as well to make sure that everything clicks and feels very cohesive. Um, loving what I thought it was though, I had gone to LA for like my first, like I was I was living there for a couple weeks. I was doing a bunch of writing and stuff and I had gone there with the intention of making an EP that was going to sound absolutely nothing like loving what I thought it was. It was gonna be like still more R&B pop, like kind of like the stuff that I'd been doing and I didn't really have a super strong visual identity for it and I was kind of feeling just all over the place. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna write to write and then see what I have at the end. And I had written, I came out of that trip with like 20 songs and I was supposed to pick the EP out of those 20 songs. And one of the songs was Sunday Afternoon and I just kept coming back to it and back to it and back to it. And I was like, this is, the song and this is the sound and none of these other songs are gonna work. So all those other songs became like, they're still, I still love them, they were great songs, but they just weren't for me. So they're all pitch songs now. Um, And then I took Sunday Afternoon and literally created the whole visual world and like sonic world around it. And then I try not to put too much pressure on like the writing itself. I'm like, whatever it becomes is what it becomes Um, and So I just went to work writing and like we had such a strong idea of the sound and the narrative of like the EP kind of just came very naturally. It it really was just about myself and like my journey from what I thought love was like to and like what my previous experiences 
had been into this like kind of dream state of what I thought it could be like and all these hopes that I had for it. And all the songs literally just clicked into place and the sonic identity was so strong and aligned so well with like the Pinterest board that like it sounds so stupid, but I showed like the love and what I thought it was Pinterest board was shown to every single person who was involved in the project. It was shown to Elias, who produced the whole thing. It was shown to Via, who wrote a bunch of the songs with me. It was shown to the guys that I filmed the music videos with, to the designer that we did the outfits with, to the like marketing. It was shown to absolutely everybody. And every time I showed it to someone, they were like, this checks, like this aligns so well with the music. I can see it so clearly. And for me, that's another reason why it's so important in having a strong visual identity as well as a sonic identity is because then you can communicate it easily Mm -hmm. to other people who are involved. I'm rambling now, but (laughs) I hope that answers the question. (laughs) So it was more like you kind of wrote with without any pressure and then when you found something that you wanted to run with, that's when you started Mm -hmm. planning out the big picture. Yeah, and I find that you can't force it. Like I've gone into so many projects with an idea of like, this is exactly what this the project is about and this is what it sounds like and blah, 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 blah. And it never works out the way that you think it's going to. So now I'm just at the point where I'm like, I'm just gonna write. And once I find it, like what you, you'll, you know when you've got the song or when you've got the sound and then you can kind of go from there. So I, I was still mm-hmm. learning about that process and now I feel like I finally, I just know to trust myself and trust the process and not force things as much anymore. Yeah. When you were writing um, Sunday Afternoon and kind of, I guess, in all the other songs for the project, when did you decide to make it very orchestral and to have that be the, the production footprint of it all? Oh my god, right from the very beginning. So I met Elias in LA back in 2021. And I had been doing a bunch of sessions where I was doing like the pop, indie pop, R&B, like that whole kind of thing. And it always, like I always had little hints of it. I feel like even now, if I go back and listen to my old stuff, there's like hints of where I wanted to be and where I was going, but I was just afraid to fully commit to it because I was like, ah, oh, no one's gonna like it. Like, I'm the only one no, who likes this kind of stuff. Not true. But I went in with, <laughs> I, well, now I know that, thank God. But I went in with Elias and I was like, listen, I I just had a feeling about him. I was like, he seems like he would get it. And I was like, I really want to do like Hello Dolly meets Damn by Mac Miller. And he was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he, he just ran with it too and he got it. And more so than anything, he he was willing to try. And I was I was like, I don't know exactly what it is yet but I, I really want to figure it out. I really need to figure it out because this is, you know, like I'm, I'm just not loving all the other stuff. I really want to do this. And he was so open to it and so receptive to it. And it was like a lot of trial and error, a lot of songs that like didn't make the cut. Um, but once we locked down that sound, it just came so easily, like literally so fast you wouldn't even believe it once we figured out exactly what world we wanted to be in and it was the most magical experience I've ever had in my life I'm not even exaggerating 
Well, the music and the production, it sounds so... It, it just sounds magical. It sounds like I'm in, like, a fairy tale. Yes, yes! That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted. I absolutely love how you layer your vocals and your harmonies with all of the the other instruments. I think it's just... It's just so perfect, and the way that it's produced makes it feel like it's like each vocal layer is its own instrument that's like a it's like a string section oh my god you get it you're so (laughs) you're literally so spot on on with every single thing you've said about this project i'm like you should just talk about it honestly i love this (laughs) style so much thank you no honestly that's 100 what it was i told elias like we had we had so many conversations about it and I was like, I want the vocal to be part of the orchestra. Yeah. Like, we're creating this really magical, beautiful soundscape. I want every instrument to have its its piece and its time to shine. And the layers and the vocal production were so intense. Everything that we did was just so intentional down to every little detail to the point where I was like, no one else is going to care about this kind of stuff. Hopefully they do. But even if they don't, it's just for us to know. So having all of those vocals and taking the time to really be like okay we specifically want harmonies here and not here and this many voices here and you know it's going to mimic what the oboe is doing or the violin is Mm. doing and just getting so nerdy with it like theater kid to the max with it (laughs) it was the best did you record live instruments for the the orchestra stuff So we didn't actually, we had a guy, his name is Ben Lee and he's based in Toronto and he is an amazing arranger and orchestrator. And we had sent him, Elias and I knew from the top, we were like, okay, we know what we want to do. We also know where our limits are. And I am a huge, um, I'm hugely behind allowing people who, are professionals to do their job professionally. <laughs> I know I don't have an ego to the point where I'm like, no, I'm the only one who can touch this. Like we're not letting anyone else in it because it's not going to serve the project. It's not going to serve the art. I was, we knew both of us were like, okay, great. This is as far as we can take it. Let's get someone on board who that is what they do and let them go to town. So we brought <laughs> Ben on board and we gave him our demos and we were like, this is a jumping off point do whatever you want give us the absolute <laughs> most that you can do we i this is another thing that i'm all for you can always pull back right yeah. you can always rein it in i want 100% that someone can give to me give me everything you got and we can funnel it and refine it afterwards and so we said that to him and he came back and the first one he did was butterfly interlude and i was like literally crying listening oh. to it i was like this is the most insane thing i've ever heard in my life we barely touched any of the stuff that he did all we did was like little refining pieces to um like highlight certain parts of songs more and like little baby arrangement adjustments but he just got it completely and again that's it's so lovely to get to see when someone who is just such a pro seeing them excel at what they do best is so fun and getting that on a project that like came from like this little baby project that I just got to write and and make with people that I love and seeing it blossom into this whole thing it was so so nice it's always just the best feeling 
when mm-hmm. what you hear in your head just comes out and it happens because it's hard to do <clears throat> like yeah. it's hard to communicate exactly what you're hearing it's hard to execute it exactly the way that you want to and also being fortunate enough to have people involved with the project who are so exceptional at what they do it's it's a it's a blessing for sure mm-hmm. when i get sent the first couple of mixes that's always so stressful for me because mm-hmm. it's like it's like it's there but it's not quite there and you know like you need to mm-hmm. send in like the the edits and kind of have that back and forth to bring it to where it needs to be but it's i always get him like it's here but i don't have the i don't always have the words <laughs> to to yeah. express what it is that i want no it's hard and honestly before this project Okay, I've loved everything that I've put out in the past, but there's always been a point along the way where I'm like, oh my God, is this the worst song I've ever written in my <laughs> life? Should I not put this out? Is this, do I sound horrible? Is this awful? And I was like, I guess that's just part of the process. You know, I yeah. guess it's just how it goes. But then I was doing this project and I never had that feeling even once. And I was like, okay, Aww. great. Now that I know that I can do it this way, this is the only way I want to do it from now on like I don't want to doubt I don't want to second guess like I just want to feel so strong about what I'm doing and so confident with it and I'm never going back you know in your in your songs like you tap into such deep emotions with like with the lyrics and the production but also just like your vocal performance and um I have two questions about that one is uh, do you before you record is that something that you practice gonna go through and make intentional decisions about how you're gonna sing something and then also how do you recreate that those feel the feelings of the song when you're performing on stage or when you've performed that song a million times that is such a sick question <laughs> oh my god so fun I love nerding out okay so yes me too I you like I literally thought that I was an awful singer a couple years ago I was like I can like I can sing but I'm not a great singer like I'm a writer and that's what I'm strong at and then during the pandemic I was like you know what girl you just need to to dial it in like I I love performing live I wanted to feel so confident performing live and I started working with I had worked with a couple vocal coaches in the past but I found my coach who I've been working with for the past like three and a half years now and it just fully changed the game and I was like this is an investment in myself as an artist this is an investment in my career and my future and it needs to be done and it completely transformed my voice and my confidence and my ability to like record better and make these like really intentional choices and stuff so the way that it typically goes when I'm writing a song and recording is um I'll you know, write it, I'll track the demo, I'll work on the performance a little bit, and I'll literally do sessions with my vocal coach where I'm like, hey, can we just, like, I just need to talk about this. Like, you just need another person to bounce ideas off of. And so we'll listen through to the demo and we'll be like, okay, here, should we flip? Like, it's so intricate. It will be like, okay, in this line, on this word, this syllable, flip into head voice and then bring it back into a mix. I would like vibrato here, no vibrato here. We literally have Google Docs filled with notes and notes and notes of how we want 
to perform it and how it should be recorded and sung. And then I'll go and I'll track it all. And I track all my own vocals like at my home studio and I comp everything myself just because I, I am a control, like I'm a control freak and I just need to be um, in charge of, of that part of the process. And then when it comes to live performances, it's training. Like I will add it into my, like my vocal routine. I literally will do like an hour on the treadmill and sing the whole set. And yeah, no, so before this tour, and even with like show runs in Toronto in the past and stuff, I will train like only on the treadmill when I'm doing my vocal training. And so we'll do like 45 minutes to an hour, like incline speed, like working it up and up and up as we go till like it's the point where I'm like running while I'm singing the set. Um, And you're like, you're making little baby mistakes when you do it like that, or it's hard, like it's difficult when you're doing it like that, but then you get on stage and you don't even need to think because your body just knows exactly what to do. And it's so much easier than if you were actually just full out running while you were singing it. Um, And honestly, if I can say anything for performers who are looking up their live game, it's, it's that like do cardio while you're singing, it, it fully changes the game. That's actually a really good idea. Mm-hmm. It's hard and yeah. it's like, you're gonna feel like shit for the first few weeks. Um, but then once it starts to kick in, you feel so powerful and so badass. I also just, mm-hmm. um, I think about Beyonce having to sing Halo and like all that kind of stuff while she was, I think they used to make her do the stationary bike or run or whatever. And I'm like, okay, Beyonce could do it. Like I got to do this. <laughs> and then also, I don't know if you've ever watched um, Legally Blonde the musical, The Search for the Next Elle Woods. No, I haven't. Okay, this is this might be a little bit of a deep cut, but it's like this MTV special that came out in the early 2000s when they were looking for the next Elle Woods to go on Broadway to replace Laura Bell Bundy. And I literally watch it once a year still to this day because I just love it so much. And it's like this reality show competition series with all these girls <laughs> who are competing and like going through this insane audition process to try to be Elle. And there's this whole episode where they make them ride stationary bikes and work out while they sing the musical. And so like even watching that from a young age and like still watching it and like growing up and stuff, I was like, okay, this is what you do. This is, this is the process. If you want to be professional, you got to do it. And so it's been, honestly, it's like kind of, um, it makes me feel more pop star-esque when I train like that, you know? Yeah, like I when I perform, my breath support is the first thing to go, which is so funny because I'm a flute player. And so when I play flute, I can, Mm -hmm. you know, support myself and support my breath. But when I'm singing, it feels like there's like a disconnect and I don't bring that same thing into my singing. Mm -hmm. Isn't it crazy? Because technically you're like, this should be a transferable skill. This should be very yeah. easy to just move it over. But it's like a whole different ball game. Oh, yeah. No, I totally recommend it. Get yourself a, a treadmill or, or like skipping rope or something and just belt out songs. <laughs> I have a couple of questions about more of like artists, mm-hmm. being an artist type things. Totally. Um. So in your bio, you said that you're with a record label, is that like something that you started on your own or is it, were you signed by a label? Yeah, so I started Sugar Me Records when I was 19. Um, I was like 
itty bitty baby had no idea what I was doing but I had started going to Berkeley and learning the business of music I it's so important to at least have a little bit of business knowledge I try to tell every artist and writer that I come into contact with that they need to know at least a little bit and I'm super lucky that I was able to do like a focus in music business while I was at Berkeley um so I started Sugar Me Records Number one, because I wanted to be in control of my own career for as long as possible. And also because I think that the the landscape of music is constantly shifting and being able to be in a position where you can adapt and adapt quickly and not have to go through all the bureaucracy of the major label situation um, is important. It's it, 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 Honestly, it's kind of make or break these days because you see how impacted the labels were by things like TikTok and even mm. like going further back by streaming and all that kind of stuff. And I also just have always said from the very beginning of my career that I wanted to create a team and bring people onto a team that I loved and that I was proud of and we could all grow together rather than just like kind of trying to climb and climb and climb and get myself into a position where people would notice me. Um, I want to build yeah build a team and and we can all kind of get where we're going together and I feel really lucky that I've been able to do that up until this point and kind of scale it up step by step that's amazing thank you yeah I love it so how did you build that for yourself Mm -hmm. what sort of opportunities were you looking for and um how do you approach even just like finances and funding your arts and and finding people to collaborate with and all those things Mm -hmm. so I will say first of all that I've been incredibly lucky in terms of the people that I work with um I started Sugar Me Records I had had this is like a tale as old as time but I'd had a bad experience with some industry people and some showcases and just a bunch of stuff and I was like you know what I can do this like why am I waiting for other people or like relying on other people like I am capable I know what I'm doing I'm sick of waiting around for other people to notice me and care about me I'm gonna do it myself and that mentality has sunk its way into like every aspect of my life which is great um it's a lot of work (laughs) but it's great um so that's kind of why I started like the thing that's spurred me into action with Sugar Me. I always knew I wanted to start my own label and be in charge of myself. But a couple of those experiences, like within the same year, I was like, all right, that's enough. We're done. The time is now. No more waiting. Um, In terms of finding people to work with and funding and all that kind of stuff, I got um, a factor grant pretty early on that allowed me to, yeah, it was lovely. Honestly, they do such good work. I got a grant that allowed me to like just develop my craft and make music and shoot music videos and that kind of stuff um I also in terms of visuals two of my like best friends we were like literally raised together um around the time that I started putting out stuff like professionally they came up to me and they were like hey listen we want to start a video production company would you let us film a music video for you and I was like would I let you are you kidding me (laughs) Oh my God. And so they're the only ones that I shoot all of my content with. And we've gone from like the scale of the projects that we've done is so polarizing. It's insane. We started with 
literally like a random little DSLR camera in my living room shooting music videos with like all my friends and family that I forced to be in them. (laughs) And then within a year we were shooting these like bigger budget. Everyone was honestly, we were all students. We were all babies and everyone was kind of just working to build their portfolios. And I remember I walked onto the set for the music video of Band-Aid and there was like, the guys had built a set like walls and a floor and there was this huge lighting rig and there was a craft tent and there was makeup and there were all these people doing lighting and like prop des- like set design. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe how much we've changed in a year. And so we've done like, like with a red camera and just these really, really, really fun times and memories and so we've done like the little baby shoots we've done the huge big shoots that are on location and multi like all this kind of stuff um and then this year when we did loving what i thought it was um it's really interesting actually because i would say that budget wise um i've learned to be way more conservative with your budget it really doesn't if you're working with the right people and you're doing the right stuff, you don't need to spend every single penny in your bank account to put out music that you love and music that sounds really good. Um, so loving what I thought it was, I literally told the guys, I was like, zero budget. We have no money <laughs> to make these videos. Um, but this is my mood board. Here's my Pinterest board. And it was just the three of us like back to old times running around outside with a camera and um, filming stuff and also something that I didn't do on purpose in the beginning but now I realize has been extremely strategic is having a very nature-based aesthetic because I can just go into the wild and you know (laughs) do my shoots and do my videos and all that kind of stuff and I don't have to pay to be on a set all the time like if my aesthetic I can imagine like rappers have to spend so much more money just aesthetically wise um so I got pretty lucky and also I was like raised on a farm and out in the middle of nowhere so I had access to those kinds of things so that's why I like I definitely know how lucky I was to just kind of everything have it line up like that that I had those opportunities I I remember watching a video of um Lindsay Sterling the violinist oh I love um, her me too. She's great. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, someone was asking her, like, oh, like, what was your inspiration for doing, like, t- shooting your music videos in the in the forest and in all these, like, nature <laughs> places? She's like, it was free. And I didn't yes. have to pay to shoot there. <laughs> no, absolutely. It gets, honestly, it's so expensive so quickly. There's so many yeah. things that you don't realize cost so much money until you're in it um and yeah it definitely took a couple projects for me to be like okay time to make a spreadsheet time to actually be paying attention to the numbers like we're in this for the long haul you can't blow all your money on one Mm. single yeah i remember um when i was shooting i was shooting a music video in like april may of last year and there was some indoor shots that we wanted to do so some of them we did in the apartment that I was living in at the time and like there was stuff everywhere and Mm -hmm. we were kind of had our little setup of we were recording and then there was all of like the guitar cases and stuff every behind camera it was so much fun but it's definitely like it's a struggle to to find spaces that work Mm -hmm. it is but once you do it and also like 
being crafty and yeah. DIYing stuff, it's so fun and it makes for the best stories. I love making crafts. It's so fun, especially when it's something that, you know, you can just be in control of and mm-hmm. you feel confident in the execution of it. Like, that's another thing is I... I don't know if you can tell this from listening to the music, but I am a little bit dramatic and I love a show. (laughs) So all all of (laughs) all of my ideas tend to initially be gigantic and insane. So another quality of people on your team that's super important is having the person who can see that and understands it and validates it and then can bring it down to the level that it needs to be at Mm. which Andrea and Luca who are the two guys that I work with for all the visuals they are amazing at that they're like hey we get what the seed of what you want here is let's do it like this let's do it like that and and it's really important to have those people and to work well with those people and it's so great that you have started your your own label and you have your own thing going so that you're not limited with the Mm -hmm. ideas that you have it's like you have people to rein it in but at the same time you can dream as big as you want exactly and I can put out stuff whenever I want you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I don't have to wait for something to go viral on TikTok before I'm allowed to release it and I don't have to wait until I have a hundred thousand followers to be able to tour and you can kind of take you it's your career and you're in charge of it which is terrifying (laughs) but also very freeing so you went on tour this summer (laughs) yeah and that is so exciting it was really fun so i want to hear all about how that went and how you set that up and just everything tell me tell me everything totally okay so myself and my tour manager andy marie we've been working together since january of 2021 and she's based in the states so we'd never met um we just like you know, we like talked on the phone and FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. And we've been like waiting and waiting and waiting for the time to go on tour because she came on board around the time that I was releasing like the string of singles like Band-Aid and In My Sleep and Rambling and stuff like that. And I was waiting for like a project, like a proper EP to go on tour and like promote and stuff like that. So when this project was finished we were like okay it's time it's finally time i love playing live i love touring i honestly can't wait to go do it again we're already planning the next one um but we were like okay we can either you know keep doing the tiktok and social media thing and like waiting for people to come and then go on tour or luckily enough like i'm in a position where i'm able to finance a small little baby tour by myself and like go and meet people and find people in real life and connect with them and and I personally that's how I love finding musicians that's how I find the artists that I adore and I I've never really found an artist on like okay before I get cynical I 100% understand and appreciate TikTok and what it can do for an artist's career I hope it does it for my career with that being said, I have not really found an artist on TikTok that I'm like, oh my God, I would spend all my money to go see this person. I love this person so much. There are artists that I found who are on TikTok, like artists that I already love who are on TikTok and I'm like, sick, love what you're doing here. So glad you're getting support. With all that being said, I was like, I don't wanna have to wait to go on tour. So 
let's go, let's do it. And so we were strategic about where we went and the size of venues we played and the type of show that I wanted to put on. That was like the most important thing. I worked with my MDs on changing my show because it used to be like guitar slash keys, drums and me. And then obviously the new project that was not gonna fly because there are no <laughs> drums and barely any guitar. So I was like, okay, my ideal show, like when I have the budget and the support is like literally take a little orchestra with me and go on tour. Um, but I don't know if I can do that yet. And I was expressing these concerns and these feelings to the guys. And they were like, well, why not? Why can't you have a cello with you? Why can't you do that? And I was like, you know what? You're right. And so we built the band here in Toronto who I've been super lucky to play with a lot of really talented musicians. And then I had a different band every show of the oh, tour. Wow. Yeah, because again, indie artist who has the budget to you know unfortunately not yet i would i can't wait for the day that i can take my whole band on tour with me but it's not that day yet so i had a different um setup in every city which again was awesome because then i got to meet a whole bunch of new players and mm. their friends and you just get connected to so many people and every person who plays the song plays it differently and brings this new life to it and this these different qualities to it and you get so many new ideas and it, honestly it was great it felt like the biggest summer camp experience <laughs> in a way it was really fun that's amazing i have just a couple more questions um i'm having a great time this is so much fun me too so i was wondering when you were beginning your journey as a singer and as an artist what would you say to your younger self of like a resource or a piece of advice that might help a oh beginner? Gosh. That's so interesting because I feel like I look back and I always am like, girl, why did you do this? Why did you do this? I never think about what I could have done, like what I should have done to help her. Um, I would tell her to just be yourself. Like I was so, okay, I, I don't think that theater kids are nerdy. I don't think that I'm nerdy. I don't think it's lame to like musical theater. I think it's the coolest oh, yeah. thing in the world. I love musicals. I love like old 50s soundstage musicals. It's It literally makes my heart so happy. It makes my soul so fulfilled. It's the writing that I live for. Mm -hmm. It's the sound that I live for. And I was always like worried about people, like, I don't know. I just was so worried about how other people would see me if I really lived that. And I also like felt this imposter syndrome of like, but what, but I'm not like enough of a theater kid for the ki theater kids to actually like claim me and accept me. You know what I mean? Because I, I had the exact same way. <laughs> cause, yeah, because I had like switched into all these different paths and done all these different things. I was like, I don't fully identify here, but I also don't fully identify here, but I want to be this so badly. And I would just tell her like, girl, just be you. It's going to be fine. You know, you're going to be okay. And um, I got, obviously I've gotten to that point eventually mm -hmm. and I'm glad that I did. And I think timing always works out the way that it's supposed to. I don't think anything should happen sooner or later. Um, but that's what I would tell her. That's good advice. I've been on a similar journey of just trying to like really be comfortable as 
myself mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's a lot. I don't know. It's hard, especially when you're an artist and you're like, okay, I'm trying to, okay, being an artist and also being in your early 20s where you're like, I don't know who the hell I am as a person. And also I need to figure it out because I need to broadcast that to the entire world yeah. in like a little cute package that's easily identifiable to strangers all over the internet. What? In the, no, that, oh my God. That's why I've never understood this like whole thing about, okay, this is so messed up. When I was 16, I was working with a producer who told me that, I would basically expire if I turned 21 and hadn't made it yet because they would never look at me again. What? Yeah, I had someone actually say that to me verbatim and I was like, oh, cute. And so that was like a fear. Like you're 16 years old and someone who is in a position of authority tells you that. As I've gotten older, I'm like, that is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I don't understand this. Like I'm super happy for the people who make it young kudos to you I'm like so glad that your career and your life is working the way that you want it to but I don't think that there's anything like I think it's even better to be older and know who you are and exactly Mm -hmm. what you want to say and then have the capacity to be able to say it and deliver it that way like you've you figured out who you are as a human being and that's first of all the most important thing and then you have a platform and you know what you want and you're educated and I don't know I just feel like that you have so many different things to offer yeah I find it's like just in my own experience okay I didn't put any anything like of my original music out like I didn't share that even informally with people until a little bit later because of my like just my my very low self-esteem and my insecurities but i will say that there is something to be said about having the time to explore something creatively without the pressure of having a polished finished product or putting Mm -hmm. it out into the world for other people to see and just having it exist just with you and just being able to explore that and have a foundation of it's like a it's like oh absolutely Absolutely. It's like the whole question of like, who are you when nobody's watching? Mm. You know, that's the most important thing. You can know exactly who you are and how you fit into a group dynamic, how you fit into certain social settings. But it's like, who are you when the the camera's gone, the lights are off? Like, that's the hardest part to figure out. And Mm -hmm. being able to be a creative and figure that out without constantly putting it on TikTok or constantly (laughs) trying to monetize it is so important especially as an indie artist i feel a little bit of pressure of like i can only release something if i'm able to fund it and to have it produced and all that stuff but then there's like that danger of having it be like i can only write something if i'm going to release it therefore i can only write something if Mm. i have the money to make it it's not a it's not that's not a path that I want to tread down I 100% can understand that mentality though and I feel like a lot of people can feel that way but it's like I hope that people are writing just to write and just Mm -hmm. for like like that's where I think it's got to come from like if the only reason I ever wrote was to put things out and like for it to be perceived I don't think I would enjoy writing as much as I do I just love stories. I just love a good story Mm -hmm. in my personal life, in my private life. Like those are the things that make me excited and being able to tell and write my own stories is the reason why I do what I do. And I think that's another thing that you get to learn as you get older is like, why do you do what you do? Do you love to perform? Do you love to be on a stage? Do you love 
being in the studio? Like, do you love putting those little finishing pieces together on a project? Like, what is it that really, really gets you going and like mm. gets you up in the morning? And being able to figure all of that out without having a huge public platform, I think is sometimes a good thing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's like so hard for me to, to like vlog or to document mm-hmm. things as I'm doing it because it just takes me away from the, the present moment and what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. I agree. I used to, I use this kind of analogy. When I was young, I would go to a concert like, and I would film the entire thing front <laughs> to back. And I would literally be watching the concert on my phone because I was like, I don't want to forget any of this. Like, yeah. I, I can't forget a single second. And I'd never watch the video again. And I you barely remember because you weren't paying attention. Now, I never... I very rarely have my phone out when I go to concerts and it's not because I don't care enough to post it on social media. It's because I'm just so excited to be there and be in the moment and be present. Mm -hmm. There's definitely something so different when you're experiencing live music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love live music. Me too. Um, So do you have any new projects or performances coming up that you would like to to plug on Ooh. the podcast okay when is this coming out when do you think um probably in third or fourth week of january like end of january totally okay in that case and i haven't told anybody about this yet so this will be really fun i have live sessions coming out for four of the songs from love and what i thought it was and Based on the timing of this one, the first one should be out by this point, which is Love Should Drop Dead. And it's literally just me in the loop station. And we filmed and recorded all of the songs live from a barn from like my the ranch that my family lives on. Um, Literally me and my band and all the sound guys and video in a freezing cold barn. At, the, at nighttime recording these songs. It was so fun. So Love Should Drop Dead will already be out. And Sunday afternoon, the live session is coming out on Valentine's Day. So you can <gasps> pre-save it and get excited for it. That is so exciting. I'm very, very excited about it. It's so cute. We did it like very old school, like 1950s kind of film looking situation. It's really fun. That's so awesome. So I'm not super like exposed to 1950s like movies and Mm -hmm. pop culture but for the song loving what i thought it was when there's that like spoken word part (gasps) like that's what i like i think of those like black and white Mm -hmm. romance movies from the the 20th century that's what i think of oh my god yes okay can i tell you a little baby thing about that and then i promise i'll stop talking so initially we had a clip from sabrina the audrey hepburn movie and it was like it was perfect elias had just put it in there and i was like this is the most stunning thing i've ever heard the content of it was perfect like what they were talking about it was so good and i was like okay we have to get it cleared and we were we did not have the budget to get it cleared. We were oh. one year off from it being public domain. No. Literally one year away. I was like, I can't delay this whole thing a year just because of this. And then Elias was like, just write something. And I was like, okay. Oh my God, I'm so scared. <laughs> um, and I, contrary to the entire EP, I have never, I haven't been in like romantic love yet that I think of uh, in that kind of way. 
So I was like, hey, what am I gonna write this about? And I literally wrote it about the feeling that I get when I watch those musicals and those movies. Mm. So everything that, and it's via my co-writer talking in it. So everything that she says about like, oh, it's when your soul feels too big for your body and like your skin just like can't hold in the feelings anymore, all that kind of stuff. That's literally how I feel when I watch these musicals that I love. Um, So yeah, that's my little story about that. I love that. Very like, um, just nerdy and cute, (laughs) you know? That's the best, that's just the best. I, I love hearing, listening to people talk about things that they're passionate about gets me so excited. Mm-hmm. There's like an energy to it. Yeah. Um, so this is the last question mm-hmm. in the interview, which is, do you have a music recommendation for the playlist? Ooh. Oh my goodness. Yes, I do. Hold on. <laughs> I'm getting it up because I don't want to. I just started listening to... This artist, her name is, oh my goodness, give me one second here. Okay, her name is Sarah Kinsley. She's so sick. Oh my God, like strings and jet, like just amazing. The song is called I'm Not a Mountain by Sarah Kinsley. Just, I can't even do it justice (laughs) talking about it. You just have to go listen. So that will be on on the podcast playlist. Um, Amazing. So we're, we're, we did it. We're done. <laughs> Woo, we did it. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. You have some of the best questions I've ever answered. Oh, that was you. awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bedroom Studios podcast. Don't forget to add this podcast to your playlists and to like and follow And you can do that on Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify at Bedroom Studios Podcast. I will also be linking our guests' social media in the description. You should definitely check out their music. And lastly, don't forget to follow our playlist of guest music recommendations. We update it every time a new episode of the podcast is released. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Bedroom Studios Podcast, and I hope to see you in the next one. Bye!